Well, welcome to the Deeper Dive podcast. Each week we take a deeper look at the text we covered in worship on Sunday, and we do that by discussing things like uh, literary context, the way others before us have read the text, our reflective approach to reading that same text is also a way that we do this thing. So uh, today we are into 2019 now, and we're in a new series talking about who is Jesus um, and looking at the statements of Jesus himself as um, answering that question. So uh, today's is I am the light of the world. That's right. And so there's lots of fun things to jump in <laughs> um, around that. Um, but uh, today uh, I sent Randy a message the other day talking about uh, one specific thing that um, he mentioned in his sermon that is a fun, well, I mean, it, it could be fun or not fun depending on <laughs> depending on how how uh, how much anxiety it produces in you, but um, this idea of uh, God's immutability, which is um, kind of a fancy uh, theological word that we oftentimes talk about as uh, God does not change. Mm-hmm. So that's how um, that's how that gets rendered uh, often. So I thought that would be a fun thing uh, to to go a little bit deeper on and uh, look through all kinds of different things um, yeah. on that. So let's yeah. jump into it. Well. Like I said Sunday morning, when I started with I am that I am, it uh, we could have went, uh, I, I have no idea how many different directions. Immutability is uh, something that we call an attribute of God. Uh, some, a simple definition would be a characteristic of God or mm-hmm. part of God's being or part of God's essence. Right. Uh, and that list of attributes is fairly significant. I could have picked up omniscience, which means all-knowing, omnipotence, Mm -hmm. which means all-powerful, omnipresent, which means everywhere at the same time. I I did some reflection. I picked up one of my uh, old theology books from a couple of years ago (laughs) and uh, went back through some of the others, such as uh, the attributes of God in terms of holy, the attributes of God in terms of of uh, it's interesting that different theologians have a different list of sure. the attributes of God, right? Uh, and and those lists are fairly close. They include some common ones, mm-hmm. but every now and then there's some others that are added to it, right? Um, the interesting thing is, is I found this quote, and I can't remember. I don't think it was from Matthew Henry's commentary, but I don't think it may have been from the IVP commentary. But it said this, and I just, I just thought this was really interesting uh, in what he said. He says, there's something exceedingly improving to the mind in the contemplation of deity. Uh, it's a subject so fast that all of our thoughts are lost in its immensity, so deep that our pride drowns in its infinity. I really liked that statement. Right. That's what yeah, really caught my good. eye. While the subject humbles the mind, it also expands it. He who often thinks of God will have a larger mind than the man who simply plods around this narrow globe. Nothing will so enlarge the intellect Nothing so magnify the whole soul of a man as a devout, earnest continuation of investigation into the great subject of deity or the great subject of God. Yeah, that's good. Um, 
So when we talk about God's immutability, God's changelessness, um, one of the uh, one of the thoughts that sometimes people have: Well, does God ever change His mind? That that really doesn't capture the essence of the immutability or the changelessness of God. Uh, how God does things may indeed change from generation to generation or person to person, but who God is, right? We call it His essence because we don't know what other term to call it. Um, Right, yeah. So there's part. Of, I mean, part of this discussion comes out of um, our uh, the way that we talk about God. So um, the subject of immutability uh, really comes into comes into high fashion, sort of, uh, because people uh, began to take a, a systematic approach to talking about God. So mm-hmm. um, that's different than. Uh, kind of what we sometimes call a biblical theology or an experiential theology. A systematic theology is something where we take existing categories that we are aware of, and then we say, now how does God relate to those categories? And so um, in philosophy and in later science, there's always been this concept of mutability or of immutability, you know, the the power that uh, time has to change things or destroy things or build things uh, up if it's immutable. Um, and uh, so when we talk about that, a lot of our information or a lot of what we take as a kind of assumptions in in that space come from that kind of, we have this existing category and now we say, now how does God fit alongside of that category? Whereas um, something like a, a uh, biblical theology would say, let's take a survey of the of the text, and now let's see what that says about mm-hmm. something. So, uh, there there are two valid approaches, but they are different approaches. And so, um, a lot of times, I think we kind of uh, conflate the two, where we say, you know, uh, a systematic approach is a biblical theology approach, and so we come back frustrated when we look at the Bible and we go, well, there's two different things going on here. There's three different things going on here. There's four different things going on here that seem to not support uh, this very thin mm-hmm. you know, understanding of what it means to be immutable mm-hmm. or unchanging. Um, I always like to look at uh, you know the two kind of drastic <laughs> texts right. where you look at something like James, um, where that's probably one of our uh, most recognizable, you know, God does not change. God is light. God does not change like shifting shadows. Mm-hmm. Um, so everybody, you know, memorizes that in Sunday school or or whatever. Um, and that's one of those um, examples of uh, what we would consider immutability or God does not change. And so then we ask ourselves, well, what does it mean to, to change? Right. <laughs> Which honestly is probably more informed by a philosophy and a philosophy of science um, than it is about maybe a, a biblical understanding of what change is. Um, so change often is associated with um, uh, not being static, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like it, uh, like something almost freezes in place, like there's no movement in it at all. 
And so oftentimes I think that's what happens um, when we talk about God as being immutable, that God turns into this almost uh, ultra pristine, uncorruptible, uh, unchangeable uh, thing that that almost can't be interacted with. If we if he changes in any way, he's uh, imperfect now. Right, and um, that's certainly not what we see in the Bible. Um, but that is kind of our our own minds placing that on there. And so we have a lot of. I think there are a lot of things that kind of dovetail off of that uh, in terms of you know there's one specific way that God has for this thing to happen that the universe runs in this very. Uh, clockwork type God winds it up it can't be any other way the future is very <laughs> determined and so you know you walk down a road where you've got um, you've got a pretty mechanistic kind of thing going on mm-hmm. and there's certain you know forms of theology and, and faith that would uh, embrace that not ours but <laughs> but there are and it's easy it's very consistent uh, to, to want to run down that space I think to go, you know, this is yeah, how it is. I, I always I, I think about, it, and of course, um, um, growing up in, in a time even 40 years ago between Calvinistic and Arminian theology mm-hmm. uh, was, uh, was always um, uh, just an interesting, because I didn't know those two things existed. Right. That's how I got intelligent. <laughs> sure. <laughs> And then it started screwing with my mind. It also yeah. it also grew my mind mm-hmm. and grew my spirit and my soul. Right. Because uh, I'm not a predestination person. Um, right. I am a person who believes that God created, but then uh, he does not have his finger. I, I often – the Wizard of Oz movie with this little guy behind the curtain punching all these buttons right. is what I think some folks view God as. Yeah. Um, and and I don't I don't resonate with that. No. This might be a good point to just kind of stop and say use the term kind of a technical term predestination. Predestination. What is that? What does that mean? What is that? Uh, my understanding of it it means that everything is predetermined. Uh, such that we were in prayer meeting a few minutes ago and one of the things that we were talking about and praying over were the people involved in that bus accident back mm-hmm. on December the 5th. Some folks would say that was predetermined or planned by God. That was God's will for that to happen. It was God's will for... Um, from the beginning of, of time, time. From, from when God said, let there be, Yeah, that was already there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And uh, that's not me. Right. Uh, I, I can love people who want to believe that way, but that's not how I am. I look at yeah. humanity side because... Um, I was looking at the attributes of God earlier again this morning, and um, I have to look at a note here because my mind is failing in my old age. I was looking at the absolute attributes of God, which are one of the ones that I would think that uh, immutability fits into. Mm -hmm. And then I look at the relative attributes, um, those rising out of the relationship between God and his creation, but he has to work through us for those to find expression. Right. And then his moral attributes uh, belong in a relationship between God and the beings, moral beings, under his government. Um, As I think about the relative attributes of God, we still have, in my mind, this free choice thing that operates, dumb word, freely, 
but people make choices. It goes back to Weatherhead's perspective, which I have adopted, which is uh, God's will, is his intentional will, his circumstantial will, and his ultimate will. Mm -hmm. We're in the middle of his circumstantial will, and uh, uh, I watched just a few minutes of that football game last night that was such a disaster if you were an Alabama fan. And the reality was that the genius of Nick Saban could not adjust fast enough to what the other team was doing. Mm -hmm. And I think God sometimes, we must keep him busy adjusting because I think he has a plan. But I think, at least in my life, I probably messed that up enough that... uh, Right. There's a... You know, people often talk about it as, you know, history is heading in some direction. Or if you think about, we know we've got uh, Martin Luther King Jr., uh, you know, day, Mm -hmm. a day coming up where we celebrate uh, his life and his work. And, you know, he's often um, remembered for saying, you know, the the arc of, um, I'm going to mess this up here. I just, it just left me. Uh, The moral arc of the universe uh, bends toward, justice mm-hmm. you know so it's 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 headed in a specific direction it doesn't it doesn't mean that every single um uh, bend in that or point on that arc is calculated out but it's heading uh, in this certain way mm-hmm. and um that's certainly what a lot of people throughout history have thought when when we say uh, god does not change his his purpose his direction his um if you want to use the word plan, that's good. Although I think when we think of plans, we think of blueprints, we think of uh, mm-hmm. sequences of things that have to be executed. We think of computer code. You know, we think of a lot of different things that have uh, almost zero. Uh, if you take one thing out, it, it will break. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's certainly not how um, people in the first century and before would have thought right. about those things. Right. Um, uh, but yeah, it's it's a that quote that you read at the beginning um, of the podcast is a is a great quote because I think the purpose of this kind of uh, of talking about these kinds of attributes is not necessarily to figure it out. Um, there's there's no end to it in that sense, but it does something good for us. I mean, it is uh, chewing on it uh, produces lots of good things. Mm-hmm. I think in the life of the believer. Um, and it's not always uh, it doesn't always taste good. I guess you know like right. there are moments in that in that chewing where uh, you're like, oh, I don't I don't know if that's right or not. Um, but the process of uh, chewing through that, contemplating that, um, is beneficial uh, no matter whether you figure it out or not. <laughs> I think the chewing sometimes, and when it doesn't taste good, uh, brings us to uh, a. a a question that I that I I try to interject into my thought because I'm a mm-hmm. pretty lineal, uh, just how I think person, black yeah. and white. Step sure. one, two, three. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, it, it brings me to a point though where I say, now why is it that I believe this? Right. Why is it that I think this is true, and upon what is that based? Right. And some of those beliefs slash assumptions, whatever were created 
40 years ago or 50 years ago, right? Um, even in a different cultural realm, mm-hmm. a different spiritual realm and time, are just within the own vacuum of my little randy world that I grew up in, sure. or the church I grew up in. Yeah. And um, I think that uh, I, I like to read people. Philip Yancey is somebody for me that pushes my buttons because he asks the questions that Sometimes I'm thinking in my mind, but I don't release to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, uh, I like that. So I go back and read him, even though he makes me feel uncomfortable. There are others that do the same thing. Right. And, you know, and that's, that is one of the great, uh, the great uh, privileges, I think, of, of reading is that uh, it really is a dialogue, mm-hmm. you know, with you and the author. Um, you're not just believing everything that they say. There is a back and forth where... Uh, they are testing you, and you are testing them in some way, and and it's good. Uh, the you know the other side. I, I mentioned the James text, but mm-hmm. you know one of the uh, if you type in so one of the words, especially in the Old Testament, um, that gets ascribed to uh, the other side of this discussion. You know, is God changing his mind? Um, uh, is he reconsidering things? Um, the word that often gets uh, used in that context is relent. Yeah. And so if you type in, if you just type in relent and do an Old Testament search on it, you come up with lots of lots of texts where it's talking about God relenting, mm-hmm. saying, okay, uh, I'm going to send disaster. No, wait, I won't. Right. Or um, I've decided to now. I've given yeah. you, you know, I've given you too many chances here. Um so there seems to be again this this kind of um, going one way and then going another. I mean that's that's what the text uh, suggests anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so you know, how do you put the two of those together? You don't necessarily. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that you always do. But no. again, we're talking about mm-hmm. our finite minds and God's infinite presence. Sure. Um, I also I was. Uh, my mind just went blank because I was looking at some relentless or relented statements um, in the Old Testament last night, and um, uh, thinking about um, the the immutability or changelessness of God's being over against the changing sometimes of God's activity. Sure. Because we look at that in terms of Old Testament cover, uh, covenant right. of sacrifice of animals, mm-hmm. New Testament covered related to the sacrifice of the Lamb of God. Um, and so now one could go and say, well, that was God's plan all along. It probably was. But it, from our perspective, it doesn't always look like that. Well, that's, and that's a good way to say it is that it, it is from a specific perspective. Mm-hmm. So all of the biblical writers are coming at this from a specific perspective. Uh, this is not um, kind of a, a unilateral or univocal uh, treatise on, on who God is. This is different people kind of uh, talking about their experience um, with God, and especially in these relent passages, um, you know, they're 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 mostly in in history accounts of what happened, and mm-hmm. so it's people thinking back about what happened with us and God here, and they see it in this way, and um, that's helpful for them to understand the way that God works with them, and and works with us, and uh, I think it's always good to to remember that there are, <laughs> you know, 
this is not uh, they, they all didn't get together and say let's let's go through and make sure that this all <laughs> makes perfect sense um, this is a lot of different books assembled by a lot of different authors that that give um, a very perspectivized version right. of their experience with God right and I think when we when we remember that uh, it takes some of the pressure off to make this thing fit like a blueprint mm-hmm. um, on our own experience mm-hmm. um, which is good I think that opens us up to actually have a better uh, better experience of God quite uh, honestly yeah uh, if we let it yeah because I'm I'm certain that uh, I have been at some level in the study of God since early, early in my life, because I've either been in the church or in ministry all of my life. And all that the realization I have at this point is, is that I know less today. The more that I search for him, the more I see his vastness. I feel like I know less today sometimes than I even thought I knew 30 or 40 years ago when I was convinced I had this thing covered and boxed in. <laughs> yeah, sure. Your horizons are greater now than they yeah. than they were before. So the the amount of information that you think you know just looks so much smaller in light of the potential. Uh, and, that and that, you know, when you sit back yeah. for a moment and reflect, that's really awesome. Because mm-hmm. if we get God figured out, um, then he's not nearly as big as what we hope he is, I think. We believe that he is. Right. So, right. Anyway. Great. Well, next week we will be back with a deeper dive into. um, Good Shepherd. I am the Good Shepherd. Is that next week? Mm -hmm. It's not the bread of life. No, you're right. It is I'm the bread of life. I'm working on the Good Shepherd. Okay, good. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) It is I'm the bread of life. All right. Well, until then, grace and peace. Mm